I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. This week, we have a very special guest host, the current Full Force Wrestling Women's Champion, and quite literally the first lady of Mid-South Moments. All the way from Cardiff, Wales, Nadia Sapphire is here. How are you doing this evening, Nadia? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. And thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, and before we get on to um, talking about Mid-South, um, I just want to really have a chat with you about your career. Um, and first of all, I'm always interested with the guest host. What got you into the great sport of professional wrestling in the first place? <laughs> well, I literally just started watching it when I, was, um, when I was a little girl. I fell in love with it and I was just like, oh my God, that's what I have to do. Um, yeah, and it literally went from there. I found a training school and, yeah, went from there, really. So from the start, you were like, I want to do this profession, kind of thing. It wasn't just like that. that it was, it was that, um, that much of a fandom from the very, very I was literally like, I want, I want to do this. It's my destiny to do this. I want wow. that to be my job. Like, that's what I want to be. Like, when I was in school, I'd have, like, little wrestling figures. I'd just, like, you know, be sitting there, like, with wrestling figures, imagining being a wrestler like that's all I wanted like you know when my teachers asked me what do you want to do I like I want to be a wrestler and it's like no Nadia you can't do that you need to do something else <laughs> and I'd be like no I want to be a wrestler well I think that's fantastic because not many people from when they're a kid actually you know actually fulfill what they want to do I mean most boys want to be um want to be football players or the such like at the time so um I think it's really great that you're able to um you know fulfill that it's really really fantastic and um, so what, what yeah. are some of your sort of early memories watching what, what sort of era are we talking about okay. in terms of your it was 2001 when I started watching so that's about 19 so 19 years ago isn't it and it was when the alliance had just invaded the WWS um and obviously I remember like seeing like Kurt Angle, The Vox, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Lita, The Hardy Boys, like Lita and The Hardy Boys really stood out for me, the storylines, um yeah it just like really stood out for me just the storylines like at the moment I've been watching 2001 stuff during self-isolation sort of like living back my childhood. Yeah that's great, I heard you on a and a actually, I watched a few Q&As before you, uh, you came on and I heard you say um the comment I've been watching some old WWF and like my mind was thinking oh Perhaps she's been watching some like 80s stuff or some early 90s. And when you said 2001, it made me feel about 100 years old. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, for me, like, how old am I now? I'm like 28. So, yeah, I was about eight or nine years old when I started watching wrestling. And for me, mm. that's like early stuff. I remember, like, um, my brother had like PlayStation games and stuff and had like China and stuff like that on, like, which was even before then. I think it, it was like, you know, the first ever Smackdown one, which was like a 2000. Oh, yeah. Um, so was that the pilot or when it first? Because I think the pilot was 99 and then it became a show in 2000, I think. So, oh, yeah. the actual game. So, yeah, probably, yeah. probably 2000, I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah, I remember on Xbox, he had a WCW one as well, like a WCW game. Um, but I couldn't really play Xbox, I love the PlayStation. <laughs> and yeah, the PlayStation was the one for me. I never, I've never gone to the dark side of the Xbox so my nephew is always uh, always an Xbox man but yeah so so that's really interesting 2001 I mean that's you're you're coming in just at the end of the Attitude Era in, in terms of that yeah, so that's quite basically. an interesting time to pick it up so you were watching when that alliance angle was happening and that's kind of some of your earlier memories really yeah and to me it was just magical I remember like 
I was go I went to school um on the Monday, which was like the night before Survivor series uh, was the night after Survivor series mm. and we didn't have um box office or nothing. We just had like um on the weekend we'd watch SmackDown and then I'd show you like clippets from Raw on Sky One. Yes. And I remember like going to school having anxiety that like the Alliance were gonna put WWF out of business <laughs> and we know more WWF and we'd be able to watch WWF and just all this stuff. So that was, was like, legit it was legit for you then in terms of like this yeah. this is yeah, like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. like a nine-year-old girl literally having anxiety that you're not going to be able to watch WWF anymore and that they're going to go out of business. Oh, my God, that's so, so funny. It was, like, really, like, that you know, really, like, influential, magical time, I guess you could say. So my one like that, so I remember the 92 Royal Rumble, which was for the title. Um, back then, I can't remember how many days later we got it, but I presume that Royal Rumble was a Sunday night, and I think we probably got it on the Tuesday. And I remember at school, so there was, you, you were aware this story happened, but obviously there's no way you could find out any of the results. I remember a girl yeah. at my school called Gemma had said, well, The Undertaker's won. I found out, you know, I, whatever reason it was, I've got a cousin in America, I speak to the phone or whatever. But I remember the, she was saying, oh, The Undertaker's won, The Undertaker's champion again. Like, everyone at school was in up, like, an absolute uproar about this. And then, obviously, we watched it all on the Tuesday night and it was Flair that won. So, obviously, she, she was telling a porky pie there. But I remember having, I mean, I don't think, I, I, I kind of always knew that it wasn't, um, and I don't, I don't want to put this, it's difficult trying to put this in the right way. I guess predetermined yeah. is the right way, really, yeah. isn't it, in terms of, yeah, the, the right way to put it. But I remember a few moments like that, I was really anxious about that, because I, th I think I really wanted Randy Savage to win that Royal Rumble, actually, yeah. back on it. Um, yeah, that's nuts. So 2001, is, it was a really interesting year with everything going on. That's the first year I ever travelled to WrestleMania, actually, for 17. Oh, so wow. that isn't a bad, uh, a bad year to become a fan. So, so from that point to actually training so you, tra you, tra you trained I understand quite young when you first got into that when I was 14 years old I found a training school I found judo before that when I was about like 12 or 13 I started like trying to do judo because I was like okay. the closest thing like cause I remember like watching Tevaneff when I was about eight or nine because I think the first Tevaneff came out in 2001 as well it did yeah and amazing remember, like, yeah 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 amazing in India and it showed you like the back bumps so I remember like trying to like learn the back bumps from Tevaneff in my home anyway and then judo was like the first thing I could find where oh they do a bit of tumbling and a bit of bumping so okay. I went to judo first and then found wrestling training. How interesting so was that in terms of around that sort of time were most people because 2001 I think that was the channel 4 era when there were some pay-per-views in channel 4 so I think quite a lot of people I was doing A-levels that year I think so quite a lot of our mm -hmm. college were into it into it no sorry A-levels the year before that's when I the first year out of work but um did you find as you were growing up and moving towards training were most of your friends into it or was it still quite a niche thing that no, sort of not, few people were into it not anymore i feel like people were into it before i got into it mm. like people in school were into it like um around our street where we used to play people um used to play like wrestling outside like in 1999 yes and yeah then like I didn't really know what it was like all I'd know is they'd be like oh do you want to be China or the cats and I'd be like oh I'll be the cat because I like that name mm. and I remember like they'd all like do like you know play wrestling outside on the fields and I didn't really understand what it was so I just legit hit the boys and then they wouldn't <laughs> play with them no more <laughs> so I didn't really understand it and they probably deserved it to be I honest started watching it. yeah then I started watching it myself so I was like later coming into it compared to other people 
Yeah, I mean that is that. Yeah, that that's uh, that's such an interesting time because you you really are just at the end of that big period and things are changing. I guess Austin was gone the following year, wasn't he? And then and then came back for a little bit. So that's uh yeah, that's that's a really interesting time. So who who were some of your early favourites when you were first started first started watching? Um, Hardy Boys, Lita, um, Kurt Angle. I loved Kurt Angle. I loved it when he squirted all milk over the Alliance and Austin. Like for me, that was great moments. Um. I loved um, I loved the rock. I loved. So, were you McMahon. more rock than Austin? Do you think? I was more Kurt Angle out of everyone. Oh, were you? Yeah, of course, because yeah. that was the summer of Angle, wasn't it? I mean, my password oh, at work was Angle that summer because uh, he was so yeah. good, wasn't he? The 2001 summer. Yeah, like literally, like I'm watching it now, and I'm like, he's he's literally gone from being like the best face, and two weeks later doing a heel turn. It's like yeah. crazy. Like and te- like going back of Austin, it's just like isn't it? It's like how they managed to do it that quick. Because yeah, that summer, like literally, yeah, when like he won the title in his home, yes, in his hometown yeah. and everything, and it was just nice, you know, like and you really genuinely like I, I I've always loved Angle's promos. I used to love it when him and Stone Cold would banter with Vince, but then I also loved them then after when um when like you know he was really serious, you know, yes, like yeah. like like you just I don't know, like it was just like really believable, and Chris Jericho as well. Literally, like his promos, I'm watching him, him and The Rock doing their promos now. They're hilarious, especially when it's on Stephanie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, like, they were really good. I think that's a bit of a lost art now. And it's just to see what you think. I mean, we'll jump around a bit, but I think um, the promos in WWE, one of the things I think quite often uh, haven't been a fan of, sort of my whole life is I, I don't feel like they sound like human beings anymore. No, Whereas back well, then, I, they really did. And I, I think that's a big yeah. thing that's missing in wrestling today. Yeah, I feel like now, like even with storylines, like I don't know if it's because I'm younger or what, but even now when I do watch the WWF 2001 stuff, I watch the promos and I watch the storylines and they're like way more better. And like, I don't know, it's just if like people just genuinely believe in their characters and like, you know, it's like as if that character is them. Yes. And I think like maybe like now WWE, like it's probably a bit different. Like maybe like they give you a character and you have to be that character, you know? So maybe it is a bit harder to actually get into that. Yeah. yeah I feel like a lot of the problems, like people, like they're just saying it. Like it's like, oh, I'm going to beat you up next week at SummerSlam, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I I'm think there's a lot of that. I think that's the bit that I find WWE I mean I was I've been a lifetime lifetime WWE fan done lots mm. of traveling to see WrestleMania and stuff but I've just I've just fallen out of love with it over the last year yeah. or so and I, f- I find it really difficult now but thankfully there's enough good wrestling with AEW and yeah. stuff from Japan to keep you keep you in fan and Mid-South obviously um, but there's enough to keep keep you sort of going <laughs> so tell me about those early years training I mean what was that like as you know quite a young girl at a training camp was it predominantly boys that you were training with or was it was it a good yeah. mix no, it was all boys. Um, yeah, I was a bit intimidating, but exciting at the same time. Really, like, like to actually see a wrestling ring for the first time being put up was like, oh my god, it was so magical. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, after like a few sessions in, like, we did like um, a rumble in the train school, and they let me win. Probably oh, did so I was, like, That's great. Yeah. But, like, I was just like, like, I was in trains, like, wasn't doing anything, but I just remember just doing like lots of Trish Stratus bulldogs. So that's like the only thing I could do. I was probably like, <laughs> I probably looked so shit doing it all. But yeah, for me, it was just so exciting, and it was just such a buzz. And yeah, it was just, it, it was just a nice time, isn't it? When you're young and you just, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's nice, completely different to what it's all like now. Yeah, I'm sure. So was this quite a local school to you? It sounds, sounds you know, pretty good yeah, to ring and so that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, it was in Cardiff, Cate's Community Centre. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Attack Pro Wrestling, but... I have actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah, 
so that's basically where they're based now. But before that, back then, it was Celtic Wrestling that ran the school there. So yeah, for the last 20 years, there's probably been some sort of wrestling going on at Cate's Community Centre with about three or four different promotions. Wow, that's fantastic. So what were the, what yeah. were the nerves like for you before your, before your first match? And was it, with, was it with someone, you know, fairly experienced? Or was it someone yeah. fairly new out there with you at the same time? Um, I made my debut when I was 16. Wow. Um, and the other girl who I wrestled, it was her debut too. I'd basically moved to a different training school in England um, because I wanted to get better training. So I went to a place called Forefront Wrestling in Swindon and um, the girl had basically only been the only girl in her training school and when girls had come to her training school they'd only stay for a few months so she never obviously got to have a wrestling match like, right, the, yeah. like the boys had like I think she might have done like one or two against the boys but not much and um, yeah so I remember it was um, it was meant to be um, well it was a tag match so like an intergender tag match so me and a guy from Wales called Matt Bourne versus um, her and a guy called Dan Splash. I'm trying to think of what her wrestling name now was called something Sanchez. Um, something Sanchez was her wrestling name because um, not long after that, like, she was only around for about two years. Lovely girl. Um, can't remember her wrestling name. That's mean like I knew her so well. Like her real name's Cassie, but I just can't remember her wrestling name. Let's see if I can but, get it um, on cage. Uh, Sugar yeah. Sanchez? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, so yeah, that was our match. It was a tag match. And to be honest, it was all blue. We did practice it in training um, leading up to it. But yeah, I my first match, I was a heel as well. Mm. And it was just... It was a blur. I can't remember. I'd love to watch it back just to see what happened. You Does know? it exist? Because that's the thing with a lot of lot of wrestlers. I guess a lot of their stuff. Do you know these 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 shows wasn't taped? I suppose. Do you know if there is a tape of it anywhere out there? No, not that I know of. I don't mm. think it does exist. So I know that pictures exist and that's it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the problem with some of this Mid-South stuff that we'll get onto, that all of their, um, pretty much all of their big matches that are pushed by these mm. television shows aren't, aren't, don't exist. So it's like you've yeah. got this whole sort of vacuum of stuff from the early 80s where there's lots of sort of big yeah. views and stuff that just doesn't, isn't, isn't there. So um, I know after your, your debut, you took a little bit of time away with, with an injury and stuff, and then you were regularly appearing from 2014 onwards and, and worked so pretty regularly thereafter. Um, so if there's you know, a feud or a particular match of yours that you're sort of most proud of that maybe listeners could check out, what, 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 would that, what would that kind of career highlight be for you so far? Oh God, I don't even know. Like, it's like the hardest question because, like, I don't actually, I don't actually, I don't actually like know like what is like a highlight for me. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, for me, it's more like moments instead of matches. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a hard it, one. It must have been. In terms of being a wrestling fan since you since you were like very small, it must have been a fantastic moment to to actually win your first belt. And I imagine that is you know that must be something pretty special to like you are, you know, what you are the champion of something a promotion like you're trusting yeah. you, you've been handed that that moment. So it must have been pretty and, special getting that. And it means guaranteed bookings too. So yes. yeah, you got at least <laughs> so one more booking to come to, 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 to potentially lose it, haven't you? So that's yeah, that leads into it. Yeah. 
yeah, I want to win your title just so I get to do all your shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's as good a reason as any, isn't it, really? So, I mean, that's great. Yeah. I, actually, I actually watched some of the stuff earlier. I was watching a match with you and Pollyanna from Empress Pro. I think it's uh, maybe two yeah. or three years old. But I just, I must say, I absolutely love the... Um, I love going to independent wrestling anyway, because I just think you get stuff at indie wrestling that you, you just wouldn't get at like a live Raw yeah. or SmackDown, something like that. Um, but I just love the old school interaction. You sort of heal interaction with the crowd on the outside. I just thought your faces were brilliant. You just look, had an absolute look of pure disgust about the situation in the audience. I think you're calling them tramps as well. And I just was yeah. cracking up. I thought the match was really, really good as well. So I really enjoyed it. I just, I just, it's a shame that okay, there's not all that much stuff. There's quite a bit, bit of stuff, but um, in terms of sort of full matches, but I watched a clip with you and Hikaru Shida as well, and I imagine that was a, um, you know, that fantastic person really to be in the ring yeah. yeah, you seem to have, I saw like three minutes of it, and you seem to have great chemistry, but it's only a cl we, only finding clip form, unfortunately. We had such a laugh. Like, mm. I remember after that match, Kenny Amiga was saying to me, because he was over and he's like translating for us, he said that she was so happy to do a comedy style match because all matches she gets booked for, or like, you know, moves, moves type of thing. Mm. And she was really happy to just like, you know, have a laugh and just do a comedy style match. I remember before... Before the match, we were just like there taking loads of selfies and everything, and just like it, it was fun. And like, I remember like the night before, we were also on a show together, but we didn't wrestle each other. I was ballying and she was wrestling Shana. It was like I got to meet her before anyway. And the next day, we traveled to the show together where we wrestled. But yeah, Pollyanna, like when you actually say about people who I've like enjoyed working the most, Pollyanna is one of the people who I felt like I had the most chemistry in the ring with. Pollyanna for me was the type of person I could wrestle her and we didn't really have to speak about it that much yeah, we'd just be like we, we knew what parts we wanted to get to but like it was all just so like like anytime like we'd lock up and just tech wrestle it was all it was just all fluid like it's like she sort of got my body I sort of got her body if that makes sense yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it does yeah. I mean obviously from layman's perspective for me but I can only imagine it must be such a um you know, a, a wonderful thing to find someone that you can work with that you just click. Yeah, I suppose like you I imagine there's together. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Because so I imagine, I mean, on the on the contrary, that and obviously not naming any names, but if you had a situation where actually for whatever reason it just hasn't clicked and hasn't worked, it's just been oh, a real yeah. tough thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's like, and that's what I mean. It's not even necessarily that that person's crap. It's literally for some reason you're just not gelling together, and then you think, oh, you like you think, oh, I don't want to wrestle that person again because we're just not gelling together it's like you know like your timing's just not going together and things just don't feel great and yeah it is a bit shit in it when like like you do it and like it doesn't feel great you want it to flow you want it to feel yeah, but I think I think what you what you say is absolutely right. I mean, I remember Steve Austin and the Undertaker just it just never never really clicked, and I think they had, they had yeah. a high profile match at SummerSlam. I think Austin, to be fair to him, was sort of partially knocked out in that match. Obviously, he you know wasn't completely with it, but they they never really had. You think those two, you know, wonderful performers have had great matches. Yeah. Any everyone, especially Undertaker later in his career, and Austin obviously was not around for so long, but wonderful as well. And they never really clicked clicked together. And there's probably there's yeah. loads of examples about people that just doesn't it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So what, what's what's your? Um, I know you probably get bored of this sort of sort of question, but what's what's your kind of ideal? scenario coronavirus aside for the sort of the next couple of years do you, do you want to stick around in wrestling for the, for the for the you know for the foreseeable and um you know carry on in the independent circuit and travel a bit more what, what's your sort of ideal really 
100%. I actually discussed this on my YouTube video, which I just put up today, actually. So if you want to see it, go to my YouTube Oh, I should channel. just play that now and get the answer. So I've answered <laughs> <laughs> No, it's fine. Um, I only put the video up a few hours ago, so you might have missed it. But um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, when obviously I was younger, for me, WWE was the main goal. That's exactly what I wanted. And obviously, you know, I wouldn't say no. But at the same time, like, it's like, at the same time for me it's sort of like I want to be a bit more free mm. and I don't know like everyone's got like like you know I've had a lot of people who've had great experiences with WWE but there's been a lot of people that haven't and like who've just wanted who are just happier and for me what I want out of life now is just to be a happy person and to feel positive and to feel free and never feel stressed yeah and like I know like a lot of people say that like you know like when they go to NXT and stuff you're constantly fighting for your spot you're constantly anxious like you know like like you walk on eggshells hoping that you don't get released and stuff and I know that because like my mental health hasn't been great over the last few years I know that something like that would not be good Mm. for me to feel that way so for me personally where I am in life now and having time to reflect for me like my goals now were to travel with wrestling see more countries meet some amazing people obviously get better at wrestling and just see what happens yeah like, obviously really yeah, yeah like i said like you know if wwe would offer me a contract you wouldn't say no because that's been your lifelong dream but then at the same time i feel like if i don't get there it's not the be all and end all i can still enjoy wrestling i can still have great experiences and enjoy life and yeah yeah, I think that's a really positive um, attitude to say. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine for one second what that atmosphere must be like in Florida um, for, you know, new people into NXT there. And I, and I actually have got no idea what the UK, um, I know there's a UK training centre somewhere, um, which is sort of quite secretive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine what that um, that atmosphere is like when you're, I, I think I heard Britt Baker talk about it on a um a podcast maybe with Chris Jericho recently when she's talking she was talking about her dentistry and how if she got a, if she got the job with NXT then she'd just have to give that up because it's full on in classes promo class you name it you know it's a, it's I mean not not the wrestling isn't a full-time job normally but that's like a full-time job on top of a full-time yeah. job because you've got to do all that yeah. stuff at the same time and it, like five or six days a week like eight hour days yeah and I think I wonder I do wonder with that if, if everyone is being taught the same things what does that ultimately mean for uh, and realistically actually the big stars in nxt are not nxt originals they're all people that have done the independent yeah. circuit so yeah I, 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 yeah yeah i mean that, that's and an interesting it's meant to be different isn't it really yeah of course it is yeah, yeah if you if you have if you have you know 10 matches of cruiserweights or heavyweights or whatever on, on the same card it's not going to be um you know it's, it's not it's not the the variety show that it should really be and yeah. on that what, what do you find yourself watching these days are there any particular promotions that you're particularly into and sort of keep up with or just do you sort of dip in and out of things um for me i've always watched wwe even up until now i'm still watching it with no crowd but mm. mainly for the women i i literally think even though, like I said, like storylines and stuff aren't what they used to be, for me, the actual women's wrestling, I think, has gone so amazing in WWE. And the women in WWE are so inspiring and, and, and NXT. So I watch a lot of, a lot of that. Um, I also watch a lot of women in AEW and Impact. Yeah. Um, by the time like, you go through, like, like, say like, it's about two women matches a week on SmackDown, two on Raw 
two on NXT, one or two on AEW, one or two on Impact. It's a lot of wrestling to watch. You can't actually watch the whole product of every single yeah, no, show. Completely. It's a lot. So I mainly watch the women. I mean, I think that makes complete sense because you're you're watching, you know, your your contemporaries, and in terms of you know um, keeping up with you know what is you know what is good and you know what what doesn't work and what works. I think that makes that makes complete sense. On on that, actually, I've got a really big recommendation for you if you're looking for some uh, women's wrestling during lockdown to watch because at, at the moment I'm trying to go back and watch every match that Dave Meltz has ever rated five stars or above in history, okay. which has actually taken over my life. Um, <laughs> But uh, I've, only, I've only managed. I was actually trying to do three a day. But I've only done one today, and I'm not. I can't watch anymore. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's getting out of hand, and I'm trying to work at the same time. But the, but the promotion that I've discovered that I was kind of vaguely aware of. And this is all on YouTube, so it's all available available free. If you, I, you, may, you may know all these matches or heard of all this stuff before, but all Japan women's pro wrestling in the, in oh, the yeah. early nineties is unbelievable. I'll send you some links, but. Pretty yeah, much anything with um, Manami Toyota is just like we're talking one of the best. Forget gender; she's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen, and it's just some of the stuff is literally the, the, my favorite match of the entire eighties was um, yeah. was a, was an All Japan Women's match. It's just like literally, it's out it's out of this world good. I'll, I'll send you some of the links afterwards, but yeah. I can't I can't recommend it enough. It's just absolutely mind blowing. Um, so yeah, really, really good stuff. So in terms of the stuff you watch now, are there any particular people that you, you know, big, big fans of now and um, mm. sort of particularly doing a good, good job at the moment? Yeah, I love Charlotte Flair. Mm. Um, love Sasha Banks, love Bailey, Mandy Rose, Sonia Deville, pretty much all, all the women. I love them. Yeah, I, I, th- I think actually, to be fair, the, the, the women's product has been you know, one of the highlights, I think, I think on the whole, they've done, they don't, I think that the, the problem with the WrestleMania main event, and it was such a great moment that the, um, the Lynch, Rousey, Flair match went on last. Yeah. The only thing they stitched those girls up with was, was how late it was. I mean, I, I was at that WrestleMania yeah. and it was, we, I think we got to the stadium about an hour after the pre-show starts, maybe about six o'clock and, and they went in the ring at maybe 10 past midnight. And it was outdoors and it was cold. And actually, funnily enough, within about 10 minutes, that match finishing, the heavens opened. There was no roof on the stadium either. So you're open air and it absolutely poured down with rain. And it's just like, if they just had that an hour earlier, the crowd still reacted big for Becky winning. Yeah, I Um, think the ending wasn't that great either, was it? Yeah, they they shouldn't. I mean, you know far more than me, but I would have thought they yeah, I mean, Ronda's like, shoulder was up. I mean, I guess if, if that happened, yeah. so that's interesting. If that happened in a match with you, um, and I guess it would it would be dependent on what the ref would do as well, I guess, because yeah, you, if you were pinning, if you were pin, yeah, if you were pinning the other, if you were pinning the other person, I guess there's nothing you can do. So it's it's really up to the ref to not count three, I suppose, in that scenario, isn't it? Yeah, and some refs are so strict. They're like, no, 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 I'm not going to make myself look stupid. But obviously, yeah. the ref's like, yeah, I guess you can't even go against. Yeah, it's so tough because I've always heard that they're supposed to call it like a shoot for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, that, but then you are right; it is the main event of WrestleMania. And then, what, then what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Hard. Especially yeah. with a character like Ronda Rousey as well, because you're talking about her first loss, and I think that does. You know, that if it was a, I don't know anybody else really, but you're talking about someone. Maybe if it was like a Hulk Hogan situation, I can imagine them not not. Letting the, I'd imagine counting the three, and I put Rousey in that because a loss for her was such a monumental thing. But I think anybody yeah. else, that referee might have they done something different. They didn't want to tap out either, did they? No, exactly. They what? They it was like a crucifix, wasn't it? With it with a kind of a yeah, seven foot roller. Really look a bit like weak, you know. Yeah, I I kind of am of the thinking that they should have probably made 
want to tap out, especially she's gone as well. So well, um, at least yeah. just like you know, do some sort of really big move on him and pin it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't mind that. They used to use those sort of roll-up finishes quite a lot in sort of old NWA and like WCW and stuff back in the day. And I don't mind it, but I do know what you mean. That's probably more of a finish for a rematch. And then, yeah. and then you then you have the definitive finish, which whether which of where you're going. But yeah, I thought that was a bit um, a bit of an odd way to end WrestleMania. And I thought yeah. that, that the, the ladies deserved a bit more in that one in terms of um, yeah. better placement earlier, not earlier in the card. It should have been the main event, but just the WrestleMania doesn't need to be you know six or seven hours. Um, you got bored by then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just don't, I just don't think even the even the best shows, you know, Tokyo Dome, whatever it may be, WrestleMania, it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be that long. Well, right, so one yeah. final leading question for you before we move on to the episode of Mid South is. What would you, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but what is your all-time favourite match that you've ever watched? The one that if yeah. you had to watch one oh, match over and over okay. again, that would be the one. Uh, Survivor Series 2001, um, the Team WWF versus Team Alliance. For me, okay. I love the ending. I love like the sequence towards the ending when Kurt Angle then turned against the Alliance and just like rocked had like his hand raised and Vincent Mann comes out like just the whole of it like the whole build up of the match was just so like I was emotionally invested and yeah. like whenever I watch it now I still get goosebumps so that that was the when did, did Rock fit, uh, pin Austin at the end of that match is that is that is that the yeah, yeah, yes that, yeah so that's the first time he ever pinned him I think wasn't it which is quite a quite a big monumental moment and he didn't I don't think he ever beat, he didn't beat him again or he didn't beat him at all I don't think until the yeah. um, WrestleMania 19 match that was a big moment wasn't it and then the next yeah. night they flipped everything on its head didn't they and Austin went back face I think they turned angle back and here it was like a total reset or something then yeah, yeah. Like Austin goes back as a face then and like it's like he's still WWF champion isn't he so he's still got his job yeah, and that was such a that that next month was was really odd because they they pushed that undisputed title and I thought they did that in a yeah, I thought in retrospect into a heel with yeah bits in his ear <laughs> yeah I know and I thought they could have if you're going to do an undisputed title match you think they could save that to WrestleMania but I just think Vince Vince yeah. was like we want one champion let's get rid of this alliance angle I want yeah. it just to be gone and and, and move and, and, and over and with yeah, yeah exactly so on to mid south is this the first time and I, I, I couldn't possibly blame you for one second if it was the first time you've watched any mid south but is this the first time you've seen any uh, any mid south yeah. wrestling literally other than the link you sent me I never had ever watched it um like I've watched like old world of sports stuff but yeah. like not much because like I said like time for me like I'm so busy anyway that I'll just try and watch all the women's matches and then like, you know I'm back then doing whatever else I'm doing so for me it was like the first time I can't believe how young Jim Ross is he looks like a completely different person yeah I mean this this is really really I mean Jim Ross I think had been in and around um this company for um well actually i shouldn't say that because it was it was slightly different um in terms of, i think it was known as mid-south but it was slightly different ownership when he first started there but he, he he'd been around um this promotion from probably the late 70s but only in recent times he'd, he'd appeared as a, as a commentator so actually you're yeah. seeing probably the first year or so of jim ross actually semi-regularly appearing on yeah, exactly. He, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia actually now. So he was 32 um, during this okay. uh, this time. So yeah, he's um, 
He, yeah, he's a very young man, but I, I think he, he's classic here already. Um, did you yeah. spot the, 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 um, the other commentator, Boyd Pierce, who's wearing an all-orange um, suit, waistcoat, shirt and tie here? Um, did you, what did you think of this one? Did you spot his... Uh, his uh, he's known for his outlandish suits. I think this one was right at the top of that. Okay, yeah, that's me now, because I, I don't know too much about him. Like, I was literally, like, just looking at Jim Ross, thinking... You're so young. I know it sounds awful. I wasn't really taking much notice of the other guy. Like, <laughs> Don't worry, it's fine. He looked, like, he looked way older. And I yeah. was looking. I was like zooming in thinking, is that Jim Ross? Like, is it or is it not? And I had to play <laughs> the voice again because I was like, I don't know whether that's him or not. And the actual wrestling style when I was watching it, I quite like how this a bit more technical style of wrestling mm. and some of the stuff they do. I think like I want to steal some of it. Well, you should you should do. I mean, this is this is. It's just fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is really different. I mean, this is. This this is a this is kind of so this the reason I I went back and started this is because I um same as you actually really I mean we we grew up in the UK and you it's really WWF you got a little bit of WCW but this year you get a lot of um yeah a lot of future stars in the WWF and NWA WCW that are in and around this promotion for this this year leading up to the first WrestleMania so it's a really interesting time and and this this TV is um really episodic, um, uh, it's quite binge-worthy actually if you just watch it, but the only thing that's slightly odd about it is because this is before sort of pay-per-view wrestling, um, the big matches, as, as I mentioned earlier on, aren't as part of the television show, they're in a kind of world on their own on house shows, so the bits that we don't see on the TV is when they go in and out of breaks, they'll have the local promos for the uh, the Magnum TA versus Ted DiBiase match or whoever it is coming up at their local arenas. And that's the bit that you don't see, sadly. But that's that's where the all this TV is just to drive business to the local arena, really. So it's it is kind of the last... Obviously, house shows are very important for years to come in, like the WF, etc. But this is this is probably the last couple of years of this model where everything was about the live gate rather than close circuit and pay-per-views. It's, it's really interesting time to, to, to be watching. And it's, and it's all really squash matches, isn't it, on, on, on this show, apart from one, I think, goes six minutes. But I don't think I've seen a match the whole time watching it now, which is probably about ooh, 28 weeks worth of television, which has gone more than nine minutes. Oh, God. Which is so... So you think you compare that today, where every... That's interesting. Yeah, actually, do you feel like, on the whole, wrestling matches are too long now on television? Oh, it depends. Like when I was watching like 2001 stuff, it was really short and sweet, like five minutes. Mm. And like, you know, the main event would be 10 minutes on Raw Smackdown. And then like, if it was like a PPV, it'd be like 15 minutes. Mm. But yeah, now a lot of them do like with like Raw, like you'll send wrestling matches and they go to two commercial breaks. And it's just like, it's like, oh, I want to go do something now. I don't want to sit here watching this match for the next half hour. Like, even though, like, even if it's like a good match, just like, oh, I want to get up, I want to get a cup of tea. Like, like I don't know like I feel like I find it hard to be sitting sitting there watching tv all day like as I when I was younger I didn't mind but as I got older like I don't really do that anymore like like yeah. throughout self-isolation I've only watched three films and it's been two months oh wow like, okay like I don't like yeah so it's a bit like like just watching more and more tv I'm just like yeah it's like me when I've been watching a 2001 stuff all the matches are short and sweet which I love and if anything, it's more promo angles. Yeah, with no, the, I agree. With I mean, the mid-south as well, I couldn't believe, like, like the crowd, like, there's so much for crowds, and, like, between, like, every match, they seem to have, like, a promo, and I like the fact, like, you know, people, like, in the gym and stuff, like, in between. The yes. promos seem a lot more, like, better, and sort of, like, 
this is if like it's showing like behind the scenes of like what they're actually like 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 why they're actually going to be doing this match does that make sense yeah no it completely does i mean this is this is this is um these video packager packages that they show on the these and they're famous for these video packages as well and um, they are so 80s but actually when you really think about it they, i mean they they rip off all the music they don't, i'm sure they didn't pay any of the rights on any of these original songs and that's why it's quite good watching it on youtube rather than the wwe network version which has got all of that edited out basically not the video packages but yeah. the original songs uh, but yeah it is it is like I, I think they build up their characters and when you see um, some, I, unfortunately, I don't think the Rock and Roll Express were on this one, were they? But when you see like some, someone like the Rock and Roll Express come out, the, the crowd just goes crazy. I mean, it's the classic young male baby face. Guys want to be yeah. them, girls want to be with them. And they just nailed it. And, and this, this promotion is, you know, red hot at this time. Um, so, it is, yeah, it's a really interesting, a really interesting look. So we'll, like, we'll, just, we'll just run through this sort of segment good. by segment quickly and just jump in, Eddie, if you've got anything to sort of add. And I'll bring you okay. in um, in between the bits and pieces here. But Boyd, Boyd Pierce runs through what we have coming up this week, which includes a North American title match between Magnum Tia and Killer Khan. We also have Mr. Wrestling and Jay Youngblood versus the Midnight Express. Um, and that's a slightly odd one because we haven't had a full-on turn for Mr. Wrestling as of yet because he's been playing a heel role um, where he's teaming with a babyface here. I'm just being interrupted by one of my cats who's jumped up onto the <laughs> desk. So hopefully he doesn't knock over my drink or over my laptop, which he's already oh, broken no. on laptop. So he can hopefully moves away. Um, are, you, are you a dog or a cat person or a bit of both? Dog. Oh, dog, are you? Dog, yeah. Are you one of these dog people that hates cats or can you tolerate cats at the same no, time? No, no, no. My mum like works in a vet and my mum adores cats and she adores dogs and we had cats when we were younger. So we've always like, like, like our family's just animals, just animals. Yeah. <laughs> I like that as well. That's good. I really want to get our cats are a bit difficult, but I really want to get a cat and a dog. Like a puppy and a, and a kid. Oh, some of them get on amazing. Yeah, and make them force them to be best friends. Uh, right, yeah. back to back to Mid South. Uh, so Boyd promises a lot of a uh, lot more action, exciting interviews. And Jim Ross says that Magnum is great fighting champion. They cut to clips from a match on May May twenty seventh at Myriad Center in Oklahoma versus Killer Khan. So this is a thing they do from time to time, um, where they show the house shows. Um, rather than just just the kind of normal TV show, um, and I think I think this is really for two reasons. Firstly, um, to fill time um, because they they take these in in quite long blocks when they're in this um, in this Irish McNeil Boys Club, um, and again, it's really just to drive business to the um, to the arena as well. Unfortunately, you can't really hear the commentary on this. Um, I think Jim Ross sort of covers for. Bill Watts by saying that um, the crowd is so deafening that you can't hear it. Um, but basically, Magnum <laughs> TA wins this one. Um, and like last week, I thought it was a little bizarre that they had a match um, like this that aired with basically unrecognisable commentary. Um, have you seen much of Magnum TA before um, at all? No, what, what did you think of this one? There's like a lot of people on here who I've never seen before. The only person who I really recognised was Jim Duggan. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Magnum was a really sad story because he, he was a young... I mean, I think he was maybe 24, 25 here, and he... Um, would go on to work for Jim Crockett in the NWA fairly soon after this, within, within a year or so, and was primed for a run against Ric Flair for the world title. And I think in 80, either 86 or early 87, he had a really bad accident in his car and never, never was able to wrestle again. So I think he was briefly paralysed and then he came back and was oh able God. to walk. Um, and he is, he is married to Tully Blanchard's first wife, um, okay. who, and he is a stepfather of Tessa Blanchard. Um, oh, as well exactly. so so yeah. yeah so obviously she's uh is she still impact champion now um i'm not sure probably actually isn't it because we've had lockdown now that's what i mean i've locked down for like two months so yeah i guess she must be because i know they did a taping just before things were happening but that obviously she's she's the first sort of um depending i 
question mark with you would call the impact men's title or legitimate world title or not now but by the by she's she's the first woman to, to hold a you know the top men men's title which i think is incredible yeah. really um i saw a, a ref, ref pro show actually and i thought she was really great um not all that long ago yeah she is like insane like she's like an amazing athlete yeah she she is really good and um, so back at the desk ross put Ross puts over how loud the crowd was again covering for what couldn't hear the commentary um, and he adds that they received more phone calls following the video package on Magnum CA than they've ever had before um, and they replay the My Way video that aired last week um, so we, t- we touched on this this is the sort of first video package that you've seen from Mid-South um, what, did you, what did you think of this with the this was a background of a feud and then you had a few matches of his um, all set to Frank Sinatra here okay was that the bit when basically JR's like holding the punch bag Yes, uh, yeah, it's actually a bag of yeah, it's a bag of flour actually. And so what? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what the what the angle of that one was was Mr. Wrestling Two, the guy in the mask, was basically uh, Magnum was like his protege, and Mr. Wrestling Two was teaching him everything. And his finishing move was like a knee lift, um, and he yeah. kept getting Magnum to knee lift this bag of flour, and he couldn't break it. And, and Jim Ross was holding it, and then Mr. Wrestling Two came along with one knee lift and just split the bag all like completely apart. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. And then obviously they broke away and feuded with each other. But it's such a classic moment. I actually tweeted yeah. that to Jim Ross when um, when it when it. When it, when, and I watched that probably about three or four months ago and he retweeted it because I think he, I think he likes quite a lot of the Mid-South and he speaks very highly of, um, of his time there in his book. Um, yeah. So after the break, uh, Murray Franks is back as our ring announcer and so is Randy Orton's uncle Barry in this, uh, okay. this opening contest. Um, so the, the brother of um, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. And he's up against Terry Taylor, who we've not seen for a few weeks. And Taylor works with WWE now behind the scenes. I don't know if he's at NXT or WWE actually, but one, one of the two. Um, Ross says that Taylor has come through the territory like a hurricane or a, to- or a, tonet, easy to say, or a tornado, depending on which part of the Mid-South area you're watching from. Um, and Ross says he's a young man he thinks a lot of, and he's definitely going to be a star in the future. Um, Orton gets some sustained offense in this one before Taylor fights his way back and eventually wins in 335 with his fr- flying forearm. Um, what did you think of this one? And did you notice that Barry's wrestling attire um, looked almost a little bit sheer towards the bottom half here, which is a little bit um, disturbing on the eye, if you call it from a, a strange <laughs> angle? You can see a few little bits, eh? Yeah, I mean, it, it was basically skin colour. Like, for the bottom half, it was... Like, it's like, I don't know. Surely someone when, must have said to him, like, you look like yeah, you're half naked. When you first look at it, like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, are you naked? And it's mm. like, oh, no, actually, you have pants on because I can't see anything dangling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you find you find once you once you looked at it once you can't stop looking at it basically. But there we, there we go. Um, so, <laughs> then you what to match. Yeah, exactly. So it's completely put off by Barry's Barry's trunks there. Um, so next up we have Crusher Khrushchev. So he's the future demolition smash. I don't have you seen the? Um, you know what? Dem- I loved I loved his look. Is he like Russian or? Well, he's, he plays a Russian sympathiser character, basically. So yeah. um, he was in a team with Nikolai Volkov, who was later in the WWF, but he's, yeah. Volkov's just left. But um, Khrushchev had a... He hasn't got it on this week, unfortunately, but he had a really cracking T-shirt with I Love Russia yeah. written on it. So I imagine yeah. at the time, someone's job in um, Oklahoma... Uh, sorry, in Shreveport, um, Louisiana, this would have been someone t- to actually go and try and get this t-shirt made at the absolute height of the hostilities between Russia yeah. and the United States but yeah it's cracking t-shirt but he's great isn't he Khrushchev I thought it was really good here um I love, I love the fact that he's actually got colourful gear like I love the red like the burgundy red like because like, I know it's like a lot of people have either got like skin colour gear or black mm. and he's just got like red gear it's nice as burgundy 
like it's just it's just different and like I like the fact like you know he has like a little bit of a moustache thing going on and it's just like I don't know for me I just felt like he stood out he had entrance here like he just stood out yeah I think he I think he looked like a star and he and he was he was he a double tag team title from the whole the whole show just looks wise like 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 you said like like I didn't even even the guy you were talking about like who was sitting there with Jim Ross you were talking about his um outfit earlier mm. I didn't even recognize that because I was looking at Jim Ross but obviously the Russian guy I really like like for me he just stood out he looked like a star he looked like he had something about him like you know nice dark red gear yeah I thought he ca- he carried himself really well and he he did I mean um he him in demolition and um, with Axe and the me, uh, probably, I, I think when they, de- when they debuted in WWF, probably 87, 88, they were tag team champions a couple of times. They were big, they, were, they had a big money feud with um, Andre the Giant and Haku as faces and then turned back heels and lost the titles to um, Jim Neidhart and um, Brett the Hitman Hart, SummerSlam 90. Um, so yeah, he had, a, he had a big, big run after this in the WWF. Um, yeah. But he, he takes the mic here and says, that, uh, says Dr. Dummy, uh, he's Dr. Steve Williams, he wants his medal back. Um, and they, the TV championship here in Mid-South this time is a medal rather than a belt because it was, it was the Olympic year, basically. Um, yeah. And he said if Williams had any guts, he would go to the ring and give him back his medal. Uh, poor Buddy West is completely squashed in reasonably brutal fashion here. Khrushchev winning with a backbreaker submission in 136. Um, what did you think of this, this short match? I thought um, Khrushchev's offence looked really, really strong here. Yeah, it was just short and sweet, to be honest, wasn't yeah. it? Like, yeah, just short and sweet. That's the thing. Like, like, sometimes when they're too short, they're not, like, they're not that memorable, you know? Yeah, they, they, they usually employ a tactic in Mid-South where the heels, the heel squash victories are shorter um, and the baby faces have to kind of come back from um, a, a bit of jeopardy, I think is, is probably the right way to put it. And, and I do understand that because you want the heels to look, you know, devastating and unbeatable, whereas you want the baby faces to have a comeback and get the crowd cheering them. I guess that's why they, why they do it. Um, after the match, Khrushchev approaches the commentary table and starts shouting at Ross. And while this is ongoing, Dr. Death Steve Williams in the ring with the medal. Um, these guys go back and forth for what seems like forever with Khrushchev trying to get the medal, but Dr. Death keeping him away. Um, and this is clearly setting up a future match between these two. What did you think about this little kind of sort of uh, skirmish between these, these two at the end where just, when Khrushchev just couldn't quite get to the medal? Well... I like the fact that obviously like, they have like storylines and stuff because I didn't actually know that in the 80s they had storylines like that so it's actually quite nice that like you know it shows bits of characteristic and stuff. Mm, yeah this, this, is, this is certainly a, a kind of a um, I think Mid-South at this time is, is, is pretty storyline episodic um, try and get the characters over you know pay a lot of time the, the thing that's interesting about this promotion is that actually and you don't you don't get it in these recent episodes but the guy that was basically in charge bill watts was in the commentary role um quite a lot before these episodes and he was really like a narrator and he's like a commentator i've never the style of commentator i've never really heard before in that he would he would really be like a like it was a little bit grating actually sort of but he would narrate what was happening to you so he would tell you what the story was and explain what was happening and the old time you would get that they're real really detail orientated in mid south so i'm sure you get this watching wrestling now i certainly do but there's a bit where like well that doesn't make sense but more often than not they'd explain it on commentary so i, I actually like some of this stuff is quite ahead of its time, really, in terms of attention to detail and and, and the lengths they would go to to explain things, um, which I, I thought was really really good. Um, yeah. 
So after the break, we have Sonny King versus Pete Martin. Um, Ross says that Sonny has been walking tall in recent weeks in his home territory. Um, Buddy Landale tried to get involved in Sonny's business, but when it came to the nitty-gritty, Buddy backed off. Um, King stumbles a little bit on a backdrop here, um, and then he follows the boot to Martin before trapping him in a face lock. Um, Interestingly, what, what's, in terms of um, how do you deal with this as, as, a, as a pro wrestler in terms of something not quite working out in a match and is it is it really different are you thinking about because i'm i can't remember, i mean I've, I've never i've been in a wrestling ring once to meet tonka i don't know if you remember him at fairfield halls in 2000 apart from that i've never set foot in a wrestling ring but if, i've played a lot of football if i made a mistake in a football match it would be i'd be thinking about that let alone till the end of the ma- end of the match probably for about five days afterwards but when you when you're in there and you and something happens it's your fault or something goes wrong and not to plan how difficult is that to put that out of your mind and carry on with the performance um, I think when it's actually happening, you literally just sort of like, it's like, like you just cover it and it's done mm. and you're thinking about the next bit then. But then obviously after you think, oh fuck, I should have done this, I should have done that. Or you think, yeah. oh, why didn't I handle this that well? You know? So like, that's how I feel anyway. Like, so if something doesn't go wrong or like sometimes something might go wrong and you might cover it amazing and you're like, oh, well done me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But how, I mean, again, not to get too 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 far behind the curtain here. But in terms of if if something happened, I guess would it be the natural, more experienced person who would come up with a change in that, or do you have to just kind of go with the flow and then try and get back into you know the kind of loose plan, depending on how planned it was, kind of thing. I mean, that that that's the thing. I, as a layman's perspective, stuff like that, I just I I couldn't get my I can't get my head around how you yeah. would quite get back into where you need to be, kind of thing. I did a match before with, um, it was me and Jamie Cater versus Blue Pants and Pollyanna. It's actually on um, on YouTube and it's about three or four years ago. Oh, and, great. Yeah, I'll check that out. Um, it went wrong. I think Jamie was meant to tag in for um, Blue Pants' shine, but she didn't. So Pollyanna tagged Blue Pants and I was stuck in. Mm. So me and her just had to do like a shine on the fly, like sort of like into like near fall. Um, yeah. It was all right, like, but like just sort of like we just sort of, you know, like communicated somehow. Just got, got it, got there. Yeah. I mean, that's that's incredible. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing that people don't people that don't. Um, know anything about and I think as a, as a viewer you can only probably appreciate that so much but I, I, like a, as a fan a long time fan I think you can appreciate that to a certain respect but people that don't don't get wrestling or don't understand it I mean you're you're you're, you're doing a live athletic performance without a safety net in one take you know I'm sure it's you know three three four times a night if you're doing like a tour or something like that and it's like you think the amount of, of act, and it's not it's not like a play where I mean a play someone doing a play is incredibly impressive where you're learning the lines and you're acting out exactly the same the next night you know these are lot there's lots of variables here you know tag match and different opponents you're doing something different it's just when you actually think about the nuts and bolts I mean to be honest I, if I thought about it too much and I was a wrestler I probably would I probably freeze with fear and never be able to get back in there again but it's just incredible really what you guys are able to do I think yeah I think like that's me like when that happened I just sort of dealt with it like it is what it is you know I watch the match back and I think oh my god I'm so like stupid or shit doing that but I think oh fuck it I didn't know what was coming anyway you know like it was all on the fly so yeah yeah exactly I think that's great um so in back in this match uh basically King Sonny King wins this one with a flying headbutt in 2.14 so there's there's not not much to this 
um, at all. Um, we then have Nature Boy Buddy Landell versus Mark Reagan. Um, Mark Reagan was coming out to a mixture of um, Billie Jean and Thriller previously, which um, was quite a <laughs> highlight, but he was, he's not used it anymore. So they just, they're just jobbing him out, which I don't, I don't like at all. Because he actually looked quite good, I thought, um, Reagan. Yeah. Um, Ross says he gets aggravated watching Landell because of how arrogant he is. Um, and he says that he can't remember Landell beating any top contenders, um, but he has, in, has been involved in some sickening incidents with Butch Reed, um, who Ross describes as Landell's uh, mentor. I feel really sorry for Reagan. That they do do this sometimes, where someone comes in, um, looks quite impressive for a couple of weeks, but then it's, and it's probably based just because these, these guys aren't around and they move them to another territory. But um, Reagan loses this one in 245. I thought this was some decent action here between two um, you know, good workers at the time. Any thoughts on this this short one between um, Reagan and? Well, Landale? I didn't even know that there was a another nature boy. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally, he dresses like like his entrance gear was the exact same as Ric Flair's. Mm. I literally didn't know that. Um, but and like even like his hair, his move set, everything was literally like it's like literally Ric Flair. Yes, yeah. I mean, there, there have been Nature Boys before. I think um, Buddy Roberts was the original Nature Boy, I believe. But Nature Boy Buddy Landell was after Flair, but, and they did feud over it, actually. There's a really famous Ric Flair promo, and I didn't know this until the other day. I, mean, I think it's the one that ends where he says, I, I'm struggling to keep these alligators down. I'm sure you'd have seen it. But that's about the Nature Boy Bunny Landell and him feud. And I didn't know that until um, this week when I, when our friend sent me a gif of it and I found the promo and it's about Landell at the start. Um, so yeah. you definitely, you'd have seen that, you know, loads of times in Flair promos. But I don't know what happened in that feud. I think it was in late 80s sort of NWA, WCW. Yeah. But yeah, he is, he is a Ric Flair rip-off really here, um, <laughs> without, yeah. without doubt. And Flair's in the height of his pump. I'm not sure if he, yeah. if he was NWA champion in 84, but he'd certainly been champion a couple of times. And he probably was then because the first Starcade was the end of 83 and he beat Harley Race then. So, so he would have been... Oh, actually, thinking about it, he lost the title to... Kerry Von Erich just before this, and I think he just won it back actually. So yeah, he would have been he would have been yeah. world champion this time. Um, so Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who you're familiar with, is up next. I was just against... about to say. Yeah, um, go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say he had like a really impressive elbow drop. Like when I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, how did he get that type of height without being? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't see an elbow drop like that these days. Yeah, you don't really do. You don't see many. No. The, the one where he just, he just, he kind of, it was kind of like a semi running one to the mat. That, 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 one one from Landell. Never, but like, I've never seen one like that. Just like the amount of hype he got and everything. Like, I just yeah. thought, like, 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 even though, like, he came across like a Ric Flair rip off, <laughs> I liked his elbow drop. Yeah, that is right. You don't see that too much these days. That's, that's, there's a few moves, like the, the atomic drop, you don't see too much of these. There's, there seems to be things that are, that are in and out of fashion where you see like dives constantly and stuff like that now whereas actually some of these moves can look impressive and it's actually something that they, I, I can't remember what there was there was a some Japan, Japanese match that I was watching as part of this five star thing I think it was all Japan and one, one of these guys did like elbow drop after elbow drop after elbow drop and the crowd just built and built and built and you think actually that's probably, yeah, that's, that's probably fairly taxing the person that's throwing those moves but it also at the same time is you know, not, you know, it's not a quadruple moonsault off the top rope or something. It's something that yeah. you, you could develop. And also it got a great crowd reaction. I think some of these things, it's just, they do, they will work again if, if people give them a yeah. go, I think. Yeah. Um, so Hacksaw Jim Duggan is up next against Pat Rose. Um, he's wearing a very fetching red and white USA t-shirt um, with three quarter length sleeves. Um, and Ross says that he's ready to see Hacksaw and that Duggan is always ready. It's a fight that's about to happen while he's asleep. 
And Ross says that the best thing about Duggan is his unpredictability, but he can wrestle with the best of them. And he's a former state champion. And um, he's training and he's getting bigger and stronger. And Duggan goes for a big shoulder block into the corner and takes a great looking bump into the ring post. That, I was going to ask you about this, that, that ring post bump from Duggan looked just legit. Yeah, I mean, crikey, how do you work? I mean, how do you work that? He, he, looked, he smashed into it, didn't he? he? He looked like he was actually in pain as yeah. well. Like he really did. I thought, ooh, does like, you know, like, does he need like a breath for like a minute? And like, even like after then, like he, sat, he's, he still keeps selling the shoulder, which I liked. Like a lot of people, they'll take something like that and then they forget to sell it. But I noticed he kept going back to that shoulder and mm. kept selling it now and then, which I liked. So I, I guess that one is pop that that shoulder bump. I guess you're always running a fine line between trying to work that and just smashing it full full pelt. I guess. Well, put it this way, I wouldn't be attempting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me either, actually. Yeah, but he, yeah, he 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 did recover here, um, and he eventually wins this one with a shoulder block off the second rope in two fifty one. So you you so you, you've seen some Jim Duggan stuff sort of previously. I guess he's WWF run, or maybe oh, maybe WWE as well. Say that again, sorry. Um, I've worked with him as well. Oh, have you? How fantastic. So how was that? For fun wrestling. Um, yeah, basically, he called me a hoe. <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I was like, like basically, at Four Fun Wrestling, we've got a really good thing going on. Like, I'm like a heel, and the crowd absolutely hate me. Like, they hate me with a passion. And um, it was Jim Duggan Jade, and JD Knight, and I think maybe someone else versus the Bruisers and um, the guy who I valleyed, um, Sol Adams, and I was valleying Jim Duggan. And oh, how great. I remember what happened. Like, I was actually quite involved in it, and he was such a nice guy backstage, really, like, you know, just really lovely and happy. And you know what? He looks exactly the same as well. It's crazy. Like, when he first had his um, red and white T-shirt on, it's like, he didn't, like, he looked way slimmer, but as soon as he takes it off, you're like, ooh, this guy's actually quite hench. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. I'm trying to, Joe, I've, I've reached out to him actually. I'm trying to try and get him on, but because um, he, he's such a big part of Mid South. Actually, the Duggan big run in Mid South is probably a little bit before this this period, and he's, he actually isn't around for too much longer because he's, he's, he moved to Dover, I think, in 85. But yeah, he, I mean, he was a real big star in this. Um, this promotion. So was that was that a one-off with with Duggan in the, in that promotion? Yeah. Was yeah. Oh, what a yeah. big star! I bet that got. I bet he got a great reaction from the from the crowd. Yeah, there. he he did. He really got a good reaction. I remember the show before that they announced him and he even got a wicked reaction when they announced him at the end of the show before he did if that makes sense yeah i mean i think these these guys that uh, i'm sure it's the same for you in terms of the people that you the angles of this world and that sort of stuff for, for, for your generation that they're, they're always going to be like the biggest stars and i think for, for me the growing up in the late 80s early 90s with wrf all these guys that were a part of those, those crews for the kind of early and middling WrestleManias, you're, they're always going to be. It's just sad that there's not, the, the, unfortunately, the numbers of them around it is getting less and less with every year, sadly. But yeah, yeah. Duggan is an absolute legend. Um, so next yeah. up, we've got a you know proper legit match between four names here. Um, Mr. Wrestling and Jay Youngblood, who's previously the NWO World Tag Team Champion with Ricky Steamboat um, versus the Midnight Express. Um, Jim Cornette is in the ring and he takes the microphone from Murray Franks and asks him to go and do his homework somewhere. Um, he says that while the audience doesn't deserve to be the Mid-South Tag Team Champions in action, they're going to. Um, they're the lean, mean, they're lean and mean, slick and quick, and they're the devastating combination of Eaton and Condry, who, and it always bugs me, that they, I think they were in matching robes, they're not wearing matching tights, which I think is yeah, something that like one had like bright blue, and then the other one had like black on, but then he, the person the person who he was against had black on too. So it's like, you may as well be tag partners even though you're against each other. So is that, a th- like, so in terms of outfits and stuff, is that in, t- in terms of colours, is, do, 
for, for like a, um, a show you, let's say a promotion you're working at, you know, fairly regularly, is there a discussion held about that sort of thing? Or is it just, you just turn up with what you, well, what you want to wear kind of obviously, thing? Obviously, I, I obviously like, usually take about two or three different years with me to a show. Okay, um, okay, yeah. Like, one of the girls is wearing a certain colour and I'm like, oh, I'll try to stay away from that. Mm. Then it doesn't always work like that because sometimes, like, you know, on the days when you're feeling really fat and you just bring your black gear and then yeah. the other two girls got their black gear and it's like, oh, fuck, we're all wearing black. <laughs> um, because obviously it's nice when we all have, like, different colour gear and, just, yeah. like, you know, like, just to be, stand out and be colourful and look different. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 um, I, who, who does your because your outfits are, are fantastic, they're very colourful and stuff. Who do, who do, do you have someone that does those for you? Yeah, local. I've always gone for local people. Um, mm. I've had like, a few different people do my outfits, but I always try to go for local people where I can go and actually, because I've had so many wardrobe malfunctions in the past, so basically <laughs> where I can go and try them on and jump around in them and make sure that they fit properly and that they feel good. Yeah, because I imagine that is a very, very key part of any outfit for a, a ladies' professional wrestler. Yeah, being, being in a tag match in the main event of a show, like a mixed tag match, and I've gone to lock up with a girl, and my brand new wrestling gear, like the bottoms, had split all on the bottom, like all oh, on the ass, and literally it. then all you can see is like my ass and like my knickers obviously like you're wearing a thong I'm wearing a thong underneath so like it's literally my bum cheeks and then I remember then obviously when I tag out with the ring I'm standing on the side of the ring and you've got all these kids coming up to you all these dads coming up coming and looking at your ass and you're oh, just dying and you think this is amazing <laughs> oh it's not funny I got, but I mean I got, are you able to laugh at it now I kind of thing yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like oh I got 20 minutes to go like literally yeah you literally feel so like oh just like yeah, I can't even explain this. It's like, oh, you just, <laughs> you just literally went the ring to swallow you up. Oh, that is terrible. I mean, I'm surprised. You know what? I'm surprised it doesn't happen. In terms of to both guys and girls, actually, I'm surprised it hasn't happened on like a really, you know, uh, you know, a, a bit like a big pay per view main event or something. Because I, yeah. I, I, the, the only thing I could think of that's even like that in WWF is I remember Triple H and Undertaker had a main event in London for UK only pay per view with the top rope broke. And they, I think they went home, you know, fairly soon thereafter. But you think it's, it's surprising all those years because it's so easy, to, easily done that some, you know, someone yeah. takes something wrong and it rips or something, isn't it? So I've gone all right out and had a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it, it can happen without even doing any, any uh, athletic yeah. stuff. Um, so back to this this match. So this this is an interesting one. There's, there's some, some odd things happen in this because um, basically there's an errant shot from Youngblood in the corner and he strikes Mr. Wrestling and then. Mr. Wrestling slaps young blood, young blood back. Um, and Jay basically decides that he's not going to take a slap and he walks off. Um, and this is a bit bizarre because um, Mr. Wrestling, Mr. Wrestling has been a heel and Jay Youngblood is a baby face. But they, 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 the, I, just don't, I didn't like the dynamic here because I don't think the baby face should leave uh, a slap. What did you, what did you think yeah. of this one? I think, like, obviously, like, the heel should always, like, slap first, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know, like, I wasn't really first on the tag match anyway, so, I don't know, it just felt a bit, I don't know, like, there was, like, lots of action, but it just felt, the whole entire match for me, it just, like, I wasn't feeling it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I was really looking forward to this, because I thought we are going to get six or seven minutes here with four, you know, named people, but actually, you didn't really get that, um, and actually, it, it broke down at the end, so... Um... 
basically, um, what Jim Ross says that he has mis- mixed emotions about Mr. Wrestling being out there on his own, uh, but you can't blame Youngblood. But I think you actually absolutely can blame him here in terms of normal storyline tropes for wrestling and a babyface leaving his partner. Um, in the yeah. ring, Mr. Wrestling is stretched out by Conjuring Eaton and they start whipping him. Um, Sonny King makes it in there to save Mr. Wrestling, um, but the Midnight Express take over on him as well. Um, Buddy Landell comes out to join in on this, but no Youngblood. Um, eventually, King takes some belt shots as well um, and the crowd reacts as Terry Taylor and Jim Duggan make the save. So I presumed this was a Mr. Wrestling face turn here, but just a bizarre... If you're turning him face, I'm not sure why you did this with, with Youngblood. It's just, it's just a bit odd. Um, I don't know whether yeah. you caught the, the line from Ross, but Ross says that next week we'll have some girl wrestlers um, with oh, us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they, I don't know why they call... Like, that, that's how they always refer to women's wrestling. Yeah. I think we've had one yeah. women's match so far, the girl wrestlers. So Yeah. Uh, in you fact, have to let me know when they have um, the women's matches. So I'll definitely, I'll just fast forward to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next week, I think, I think. Though actually, I say that they have said that they're going to be girl wrestlers on previously, and then you get to the taping, and they said actually they've not been able to get here because of travel problems, and then you never hear about them again for for months and months and months. I'm just going to touch on something else as well that's that's going to happen next week. So. Um, apparently this is this was quite a thing in the 80s for sort of rock groups and like pop bands and also wrestlers they, they touched on um, the next week they're going to have the, the, the footage of the winners of the Super Date at the Superdome um, so basically that was a chance if you, for any girls in the area and they specified you had to be over 18 and unmarried um, you could send a photo in and they encouraged you to send this is all like legit on Saturday morning television in America they encouraged girls in the, in the area of 18 and above to send in their best pictures uh, because the two of two lucky ladies are going to be able to go on a date with the Rock and Roll Express the following uh, oh uh, at, the, at the Superdome so we're going to get we're going to get the um, we're going to get the result of that next week um, and, and interestingly <laughs> as well, I mean this stuff and this is Jim Ross doing most stuff they said that um, something like oh unfortunately we can't send any of the pictures back to you and they'll become they'll become a property of Mid-South Sports. And you just think, oh, yes. crikey, like, it's just a bit gross. And it? Like two, uh, they said that yeah. 2,000 people then entered this competition. So, uh, yeah, a bit, of an in, a bit of an interesting one, but I'm, I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing how they spin that. Yeah, that doesn't these things, does it? No, it doesn't. And I, I think I, I, I was speaking to a guy who um, grew up in the area and he said that actually, because when I first saw this, I was like, I can't actually believe my eyes. But he was like, this, he said to me that in the early 80s, apparently everyone was doing this. So, so that there was a couple of different reasons. One was, let's say, I'm trying to think of an 80s band that was being in America. I'm going to go with Wham. I don't know how big Wham were in the 80s. But actually, if, if Wham did a competition like this, where you could go out with Andrew Ridgely and George Michael, whatever, the, the, I think the key driver of it was that you could probably had, but they said 2,000, but let, let's say you, had, you have to get 10,000 or something like that. Then you've got mm. 10,000 people that you can, you can do, because mail order was a massive thing back then. So you could have all yeah. those people with addresses and stuff. And that's the same, I, I, I'm not sure if you've seen this angle, but there's an angle in 1990 where Hulk Hogan was taking some time off um, to film a movie and he was sort of taken out an injury, an injury angle with Earthquake and it did exactly the same thing. So they were like, please write in for the Hulkster. And the only reason they did that whole thing was to get people their mail order catalogue. So that's, that, that's it. So it's all really clever marketing. Um, really, yeah. Really you don't need to have these days. As long as you've got an email address, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no need to send your best photo in. So uh, next week, uh, we have the Pretty Young Things. It's Coco Beware and Norval Austin on video. Um, Ernie Ladd and the debut of another team, um, the Fantastics, who've become a big, uh, big stars in Mid-South and other places as well. Um, that was a bit, as, as you touched on, a bit of a bizarre final match with you there with no real reason to do the separation between Young Blood and Mr. Wrestling. 
um, if ultimately Miss Wrestling can be saved by baby faces. And Youngblood wasn't coming back um, actually at all. So there's no need to build um, a matchup between those two because you're not going to get it. Um, a little bit of a light angle episode here. Um, and largely, as we talked about, this, this would have been taped. Um, but aired after their latest Superdome show, which was the day before. So they, they couldn't really, well, they weren't able to touch on any angles or anything big that happened as a result of that because it hadn't happened yet. Um, so Nadia, what did you think of this June 17th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling? And what's the percentage chance based on the show that we're watching some Mid-South Wrestling again? That I'm going to be watching it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you can, it can be low. It doesn't have to be high. It's fine. It can be less than 1%. <laughs> um, obviously I'm always going to prioritise the wrestling which I prefer like WWE and stuff like that um, but if there's a girls match I'll definitely be tuning in just to see what it was like then what, do you know what I'm going to I'll recommend you, you leave the Mid-South alone because I don't think you're going to get what you're looking for but I will send you some links like that All Japan's women because I think you'll <laughs> definitely see some incredible stuff there so before we go um, please do tell the listeners where they can find you on, on social media and look out for sort of stuff you're going to be doing in the future well you can subscribe to my Instagram which is Nadia Sapphire my Twitter is Nadia underscore fire and I've also got an OnlyFans, which has exclusive photos, um, like photo shoots, and also all my wrestling matches. I also upload on there, so if you want to watch more of me, it's $15 a month, and that is www.onlyfans.com forward slash Nadia underscore Sapphire. But you can see that on my Instagram anyway. And also my YouTube page is Nadia Sapphire. Subscribe to me. <laughs> Fantastic, Nadia. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you about Mid-South Wrestling. Um, all the best with your sort of future career and everything, and hopefully it won't be too long before we see you back in the wrestling ring at some point. Uh, you know, here or abroad or wherever you wherever in the world, lockdown ends first. So, yeah, really, really appreciate it. So, thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe, and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments, and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.